This is Dan Wilson Uncancelled. Let's go. Breaking tonight, a snap YouGov poll shows the majority of 2019 Conservative voters, 54%, want to see the PM go, which is up a worrying 20 points from a previous survey on the 9th of June. Now, one man who's had his finger on the pulse of Boris's Westminster wrangle is legendary Fleet Street political reporter Trevor Kavanagh. In a column uh, for the Sun newspaper just last week, Trevor predicted the drama of today's brace of cabinet resignations as one of the main reasons for the PM's possible demise, describing how Boris would struggle to, quote, slip free again and commenting on former Tory leader Michael Howard's calls for cabinet ministers to resign. The Sun's associate editor wrote... It was a powerful signal from a respected party grandee that time is up for the fabled greased piglet. (laughs) Trevor, uh, you did say, by the way, that such a scenario would actually be suicidal for the Tories too, uh, because voters detest divided parties and no one has emerged as obvious uh, replacement to Boris. How do you think things have changed after the resignations of of Sunak and Javid? I think the only thing that's really changed is the certainty that Boris will go. And I think uh, he is now a dead man walking. I think that he'd be lucky now to survive until this weekend. The two shock resignations of his Chancellor of the Exchequer and his uh, Secretary of State for uh, Health, I think, are only the beginning. They're the two big blasts that... There are other fusillades uh, lined up to go if that doesn't work. So this is just the beginning. It won't end until he's gone. And I think that's going to happen rather soon. Trevor, how significant was it that you didn't see the likes of Gove and Truss and Wallace following uh, Sunak and Javid out the door? Well, they're ultra-loyalists, and I think that they are judging that it's better for them to stay loyal to Boris, no matter what happens to him in the end, in order to preserve their credentials as potential successors. The same applies to Nadim Zahawi, who's taken the role as Chancellor of the Exchequer. He will be hoping, I assume, that if Boris doesn't survive, whoever takes over, and it won't probably be him, will keep him as Chancellor. Everyone's eyeing up their own prospects at the moment. They're weighing their chances. Those who are staying abjectly loyal, in some cases, probably know they won't get a job in another government, so they're staying for that reason. But I think that there's no possibility now of Boris surviving. Even a matter of days is too long now. And I think that there is a suggestion somewhere in the firmament that that he might threaten the general election. I simply cannot see why the Queen would allow a general election for a Prime Minister who is only halfway through his term and has a majority of 80. She doesn't have to, and I don't think she would. So that would then become a constitutional crisis? Well, as I say, I don't think he's going to be around long enough. I think we're heading for a sort of constitutional crisis anyway under the existing rules as they apply for the Conservative leadership. I mean, this could drag on unless those rules are changed for another couple of months. They have to choose a a candidate from those in the parliamentary party. Two names will have to go to the membership and they will have to decide. And that's a long and drawn out process, quite painful. And we're also heading for the end of the parliamentary session. We're not far off the 
uh, summer recess. All of this conspires to make this the messiest of all possible leadership changes. Well, exactly. So, so look, I, I know that a lot of people would say <clears throat> the best thing for Boris Johnson to do is resign. Trevor, you know him. You've known him for years. You've also uh, known him as prime minister. He's not going to resign, is he? He's made it clear. And there's no mechanism for the Tory party to force him out right now. Well, uh, no, but if his cabinet um, simply withdraws, or at least the majority of the cabinet ministers who count uh, withdraw, then there's pretty, precious little chance of him remaining in office. Uh, this is what happened with Margaret Thatcher. Okay, it was under different rules. But basically, she consulted all her uh, senior cabinet ministers, asked them what they thought, and nearly all of them told her that they couldn't support her and wouldn't if there was a second vote. So she went very reluctantly. And again, she would have been the last person to resign voluntarily, as Boris will. But he will have to go. I mean, he's a dead man walking. He's a, a, the sort of equivalent of a... Uh, dead parrot sketch at the moment, just waiting to go. Is there anyone, Trevor, who <coughs> Boris would listen to? I mean, is the key, for example, Carrie Johnson? He's listened to her a lot uh, on rather bad policies. Uh, will he listen to her when it comes to his political future? Well, I think one of the things that will hit home with him is the fact that this latest poll of Conservative Party members has shown that a huge number and a very <clears throat> much increased number want him to go. If the party turns against him, if his cabinet turns against him, if significant numbers of ministers and even cabinet ministers resign their jobs, it's almost impossible to see how he can, how he can carry on. And as you pointed out, he's due to be questioned, grilled by the liaison committee of parliament, and that's tomorrow. Um, How's he going to get through that one? It's going to be an absolute bear pit and a disaster for the image of the Conservative Party, of the government, and a, a serious problem for the economy and for Britain itself. Trevor, there's a lot of people that... I, look, I appreciate that you, that you gov poll. There's also a lot of folk like me who are very loyal to Boris Johnson and believe that the party should stick by Boris Johnson and that there has been a media witch hunt and an establishment witch hunt against Boris Johnson for months and months and months. Uh, you would appreciate, amongst your son readership, for example, lots of those voters in the red wall uh, put the tick in the box for the Conservative Party for the first time because of the personal pull of Boris Johnson. So it's not, I guess what I'm trying to say, it's not an easy path for the Conservatives either way, is it? It isn't, but uh, much of this is a self-inflicted wound. Um, Boris Johnson, after all, did win an 80-plus seat majority. He had a tremendous amount of goodwill on his side, and he had a, uh, a promise, a manifesto promise, to deliver clear and abundant benefits from Brexit. Uh, he allowed the uh, pandemic to uh, push, us or push all that aside, and I, I think that was a big mistake. He should have delegated a particular minister to make sure that those promises were delivered. You should be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. And I think that that was his biggest mistake. It, it made people suspect that what he said about being a Brexity Hezer was actually true, that he wasn't a full-blooded, wholehearted Brexiteer, that he didn't really want to upset the European Union. He didn't want a trade war, 
And although there have been, of course, these struggles over the Northern Ireland Protocol, he hasn't delivered on that as yet. And he hasn't done anything about immigration. All of these things are quite important to those Redfall voters who are indeed disappointed, despite their support for Boris, their really firm and staunch support for Boris at the election. They were genuine Brexiteers. They weren't waiting for a return of Labour. They had turned to the Tories because of Brexit. And I think they felt really disappointed, as many others did, that Boris did not deliver those promises as he should have done. The Sun's associate editor, Trevor Kavanagh, fascinating analysis and insight as ever, including that suggestion that Boris Johnson might want to call a general no. election no. and that the Queen might say, no, 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 no. Well, we're in for a big few weeks, aren't we, folks? Lucky there is no summer recess on Dan Wilson tonight. Nadeem Zahawi has been appointed to replace Rishi Sunak as Chancellor. Downing Street has confirmed in the past few minutes. Sunak's exit earlier tonight prompted Lord David Frost, Boris's right-hand man and heavyweight Brexit negotiator, to also dramatically call for his friend to step down. In a statement, Lord Frost, who I have great respect for, said Rishi Sunak and Sajid Javid have done the right thing this evening. It gives me no pleasure to say it, and I had hoped that events might have taken a different course, but I'm afraid the developments of the last week show there is no chance of the Prime Minister either putting in place the necessary change of approach to running a government or establishing a new policy direction. Boris Johnson has huge achievements to his credit. He has a place in history for delivering Brexit and much more. But it is now time to look forward accordingly and with sadness, I believe, the interests of the country, our newfound self-government and the Conservative Party would be best served by a new leadership and a new Prime Minister. So, Nigel Farage, it's all going on in this seismic night at Westminster. Can I get you to respond first to the breaking news that Nadine Zahawi is the new Chancellor? Interestingly, The Sun was reporting at just nine o'clock tonight, so just 45 minutes ago, that Boris wanted to give the job to the Foreign Secretary Liz Truss, but Nadine Zahawi had threatened to quit as Education Secretary if he wasn't elevated to number 11. I'm disappointed in the extreme, Dan. I thought Zahawi was one of those people that could replace Boris Johnson to break us out of the old Etonian mould, uh, to get somebody different, somebody who'd succeeded in private business before politics. I thought Zahawi had principles. Tonight we learn he's just about climbing that greasy pole, as so many of them are. Very disappointed indeed. And Dan, I can tell you, that apart from Jeremy Corbyn, I did more than anybody to help Boris Johnson become leader of the Conservative Party (laughs) and as Prime Minister. So I have wanted this government to succeed, especially not just with getting Brexit done, but with actually reaping some of the benefits and potential rewards from it. I have been deeply disappointed. But you can be disappointed in policy, disappointed in decisions, The thing that gets me down are just the constant lies, the drip, drip, drip of lies. And the Chris Pincher case of itself, of course, should not be enough to bring down Boris Johnson. But it's yet another, yet another unforced error, sending out those ministers to frankly lie on behalf of the government. And then when it all comes back to number 10, and the truth emerges that Johnson did know had been briefed more than once about Pincher, we're then told he couldn't remember. 
It, it's not credible. It's not believable. And I was angrier this morning that I've been at any point, mm-hmm. I think with any conservative government, wow. just at the dishonesty, the dishonesty. So I asked myself, and I planned my show tonight around the theme of who in the cabinet has the principle of the courage to revolt. Well, two of them did, although arguably Sunak was forced out by Boris Johnson's press team. But I think, you know, there is a bit of truth in that. Um, I'd hope Zahawi would resign tonight. If he had, he'd be front runner to be the next Conservative leader. He may well have blown it. But Nigel, you can also look at Sunak and Javid tonight and say they have put career before country because they want to be prime minister. This is about a run for Tory leadership. They want to disassociate themselves from the regime of Boris Johnson. And whether or not you can support Boris or not, I'm sorry, Sunak has been there every step of the way. I think Sunak will be in California in two or three years. I think. Well, I think. Yeah. I think what in his mansion. <laughs> yeah, I think what. Yeah, I mean, next door to Prince Harry. Who knows? I mean, yes. there's a story. Show. Um, but I no, I don't think um, Sunak has any realistic chance of becoming leader. Um, I think politics is pretty much done for him. Uh, Javid, well, in his own Walter Mitty way might think that he's the next leader, but he doesn't have the charisma, doesn't have the pizzazz. It ain't going to happen. Um, so, look, I, I think they've more likely cast themselves into the wilderness. Look, Dan, I understand from your poll, there are 45% of, of people out there who voted for Boris, who watch and listen to GB News, who think what is going on is a backstabbing betrayal of yep. those. And I'm one of them. Yeah, and, and I get it. And, and, and we saw all of this back in 1990 with Margaret Thatcher. All right. But here's the difference. Johnson will not win them the next election. Under Boris Johnson, they are. And David Miller was right. They are literally going over an electoral cliff. But I don't think tonight, which I think is the beginning of the end, I don't think tonight's bad news. I think potentially it's good news. The reset can never happen under Johnson, but the reset of the Conservative Party. Thank you, Boris Johnson, for Brexit. Thank you, Boris Johnson, for ridding the country of Jeremy Corbyn, who would have been a disaster. So we thank you for that and their historic achievements. But the chance now to get somebody who actually believes, not for short-term gain in the polls, not in the attempt to try and please everybody, but someone that believes we should be self-sufficient in energy, someone that believes there are things like the strategic national interest, somebody who believes in low taxes rather than saying it whilst they're putting taxes up, somebody who will halt immediately the 30%, 30% rise that's coming in corporation tax in just a few short months' time. The time to get somebody with principle, who's on the side of the little guy and the little girl running their own businesses, who understands economics, who understands growth. I actually think what is going on right now, and let's get it done, let's get it over before recess, otherwise time will have run out, I think, in many ways. This gives the Conservative Party a golden opportunity to start again. And to beat an inspiring Labour leader. So who? Because 
You say that your favourite was Zahawi, but mm. you've, you're disappointed that he's stayed in yeah. Cabinet. So you don't think it will be Sunak. You don't think it will be Javid. So who? You know, I like horse racing, Dan. And, <laughs> you know, Royal Ascot, Cheltenham. Yeah. And, and, and there can be a really big field of 28 horses. And you think the two or three that you fancy and you back a couple each way. And suddenly, out of a pack on the rails comes this horse you barely heard of, and it wins, and it goes yeah. on to become one of the greats. And Penny Mordaunt, maybe. Maybe she's well, the one. Well, a few years ago, there was a very, very little-liked former education secretary who was, you know, sitting on the back benches called Margaret Thatcher. They could barely get enough signatures had a run against Ted Heath. Harry Neve, MP, man who got a home run from Colditz, was going around begging people, please sign this so we can have a contest. And suddenly she got on stage and unveiled an agenda and the Conservative Party went, wow. So who knows? There may be, look, it, is it a gamble to get rid of Boris Johnson? Yes. But is it an even bigger gamble to stick with him? I would say that it is. I believe with all my heart and soul, if he was to stay on as leader, they would be they would face a 1997 style catastrophe at the next election. It's time to say thank you, Boris. It's time for a reset. Nigel Farage, fascinating analysis as ever. Thank you so much. And of course, Nigel back with all of the developments tomorrow night, 7 p.m. here on GB News. Former Conservative Minister Edwina Curry is tonight's outsider. And breaking tonight, in the past few minutes, Universities Minister Michelle Donnellan has replaced Nadim Zahawi as Education Secretary. That's just been confirmed. Meanwhile, Slippery Starmer has claimed Boris Johnson's government is crumbling after the PM was ambushed by the opportunistic resignations of Sajid Javid. And Rishi Sunak, Boris had been under pressure from the political establishment over his appointment as Chris Pincher as Deputy Chief Whip, despite the PM knowing about a misconduct complaint against the disgraced MP. Labour and the MSM may have weaponised Pincher's depraved behaviour and another plot to undemocratically outs the Prime Minister, but for the media and Starmer to suggest that Sleaze is limited to the Conservative Party is just an outright lie. The SNP's Westminster leader Ian Blackford has faced calls to resign over his reaction to one of his MPs sexually harassing a staff member, while seven Labour MPs or former MPs had received a jail sentence within the previous 10 years. And how about that acid attack threat, by the way? Well, former Conservative Minister Edwina Curry, who knows a fair bit about Tory sleaze, joins me now. Edwina, well, so much to unpack here. But does the PM's misjudged appointment of Chris Pincher really deserve to be a fatal error for him? It's a big mistake. And um, listening to Nigel Farage uh, a little bit earlier, uh, bearing in mind, Dan, that I've been involved in the Conservative Party for a very many more years than Nigel Farage ever has. Plus, I've won elections to Parliament and he keeps losing them. So, um, you know, we're not quite on the same even keel. But I find myself... Although he did deliver Brexit, Edwina. He did deliver Brexit. He didn't deliver Brexit. Boris oh, delivered come Brexit. on. Come on, there'd be no Brexit without Nigel Farage, would there? You've got to admit that. I don't admit that. Long before Nigel Farage was involved, back in the 1990s, there were plenty of Brexiteers around, some of whom are still in Parliament. 
Uh, Nigel Farage is very good indeed at trying to take the credit for other people's hard work, believe me. Anyway, let's, we're not talking about Nigel Farage. We're talking about a bottom pincher uh, known as Chris Pincher. It was a big, big mistake to appoint somebody like that as the deputy chief whip because actually the whip's office is where you go if as yeah. an MP you have a, a problem with another MP. You would go and talk to the whip's office and you would share possibly in confidence and expect them to do something about it. If one of them is the bottom pincher, then you really have a problem. And not least if it's known that he has a drink problem, which actually perhaps some people should have been uh, trying to help him with or uh, trying to deal with. And if the people that he is approaching and harassing, sexually harassing, are young people, you know, part of what all political parties have to do is to make sure you look after your your young people, fresh from university, come to work as uh, aides to MPs, come to work in the House of Commons. What you don't want them is is for them to be groped by more no, senior indeed. members of the party. And I agree with all of that, Edwina. So my question to you is, has that situation rocked your faith in Boris Johnson? Because I've had you down as a Boris loyalist, Edwina. Uh, well, I've been at a Conservative Party meeting tonight. We've all been arguing about this. We want the party to continue with its policies. And we want the party to win the next election with a comfortable majority and be able to carry forward uh, policies which will take a long time to bring to fruition, like levelling up. You know, we're in a, a red wall seat, former red wall seat in the north of England, and uh, trying to improve the infrastructure up here is not going to happen in a year or two. We want to see changes to the way that the economy works and uh, particularly changes in energy policy. There's a whole host of things. They cannot be done overnight and they need a consistent government. And one of the other things that Nigel said that I agreed with him is it's beginning to feel like carrying on with Boris is a bigger gamble than seeing if we can uh, have someone who's better. I, I, the, the comparisons with Margaret Thatcher are really very interesting because Margaret was very clear on her policies for a long time. And she also had really strong moral codes. She had a glare that would stop an elephant, believe me. If anybody had misbehaved anywhere near her, it was actually then very difficult. You get frozen out. You get frozen out completely. Um, Boris isn't like that. I like that he is more relaxed. I think he recognises that everybody in Parliament is a human being. And I think many of the public recognise that it's not always appropriate to set much higher standards for people in Parliament than we observe ourselves in our personal lives. That said... Every time there's another row, it's more skin off our backs as party mm. activists. And that begins to feel really quite painful. You begin to think, well, maybe this really shouldn't go on and maybe we should get some changes. I, I'm not entirely comfortable either route out, but we can't carry on like this. OK. Well, look, we'll keep in touch, Edwina, over, over the next week. Dan Wooden here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncancelled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more newsmaking interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Wooden tonight every Monday to Thursday from 9pm till 11pm on GB News. Listener.